On Wednesday, I had a hemorrhage in my right eye. I had a blood vessel that sort of blew apart, and I had surgery on Friday to repair the eye. But when you know, when you get needles stuck in the eye, it sort of takes some time for it to recover. So that's what I'm doing right now. Um, I am praising God that I did not have a detached retina. That is a big praise because I would not be here today, and uh, it would have been much worse. Uh, so I stand before you very thankful. Uh, I am thankful for God, certainly, and for my wife, who is putting up with a lot. And, you know, you know, she has to walk the dogs every time now. And that's really a big disappointment for me. And um, she, she brings me my food. And I can't, I can't bend down and pick things. You know, I think I can use this for, for good. Uh, but also very grateful to my doctors and certainly all of you for praying uh, for me. And um, so I do want to do a little caveat here. If I struggle a little today with my focus, with my eyes, please forgive me. I know you will. Uh, I've asked the Lord not to let this be a distraction uh, for me or for you because I think God wants us to hear some things and be aware of some things. So let's get right into what I want to talk to you about today. Today, we're in week three of the sermon series we're calling Collide. You know, as we try to live our lives for Christ, we will collide with the culture that we live in. In week one, we laid this foundation for standing firm on the Word of God, the only truth we can find in this world. And then in week two, we talked about the first thing God desires out of our lives once we initially learn to stand firm in our faith amidst the conflicting values of the world that, again, we're constantly colliding with. We must be renewed and transformed in our thinking, in our soul, in our spirit. And today we're going to go a little further, uh, because after God begins to transform us, especially in our minds, we have to pursue the source of truth so that we can ultimately live it out. Uh, The Word, the truth of God, is powerful and it is effective. Uh, So as I was thinking about people that I know that when they heard the Word of God proclaimed and the power that it had in their life. I think of a man that I know from India named Majit. Majit was a Muslim. He was a criminal. He was a thief. Um, And one day he uh, committed some crime and the police were after him and they were chasing him. And as he's trying to get away from them, he Here's something going on in this building. A lot of people are gathered in there, and he just ducks in thinking he's going to hide from the police. You know, he'll just be like one of many people sitting in this room. What he didn't know was he was ducking into a church service, a Christian service. And when he found a place to sort of hide out, The preacher was giving a communion meditation. Isn't that funny? Like uh, Matthew was just sharing a communion thought with us, and you never know what is going to connect with someone. So as the preacher is speaking about God, allowing his son 
to take upon himself the sins of the world and that his son died for each of us. Majid's heart was captured by that message and the word of God broke through his hard heart and he decided he was going to follow Jesus. And today, he is a powerful preacher in India. And he has a ministry in the prisons in India. Think about that. Um, now, you have heard me share the story about uh, Graham Staines and uh, his family. Uh, Graham was an Australian missionary there in India. Uh, he and his wife worked to help the lepers that were there. And the Hindu extremists, uh, thought Graham was becoming too influential, and so they paid some uh, Hindus to go out and kill Graham. And what they ended up doing was burning Graham and his two sons in their vehicle. They burned them alive, right? I mean, it was a horrendous thing. And these men were captured, and um, so uh, when Majit became a Christian, he figured out where the leader of this gang was imprisoned. And so he knew that if he committed a little petty crime, he would be put in the same prison. Now think about this. He is so committed to sharing the gospel with a man that has done an evil thing that he goes and he commits a little petty crime, something like... Um, I don't know, jaywalking or something. It wasn't, it wasn't an ethical thing. But he was put in this prison so he could share the gospel with this man named Dara Singh. And he was able to do this. And as he talked with Dara Singh, uh, he discovered that the Hindus who had paid Dara Singh to commit this murder um, had abandoned Dara Singh and his family. And so Dara's Wife and children were starving, and none of the Hindus would help them. And so <laughs> the amazing thing is that Majit got word to the churches that this was going on, and they reached out to Dara Singh's wife and children and fed them. Think about this. The power of the gospel to change lives. And the truth of the gospel is powerful, and it can change our lives and the lives of those around us, the people that we love and care about, and also the people that might be our enemies. Truth is in short supply in our world today. The Word of God gives us all the truth we need to live a full and fulfilled life in Christ and to stand against the culture that comes against us. And friends, we should keep these truths and consider them wisdom and instruction and insight for our lives. No matter what we do, we cannot lose truth. Now, the Word of God is the only place in my heart and mind that we can find the real truth. And so, what, what are we currently doing about that? Are you searching for that truth in God's Word? Um, are you spending time seeking out the truth of God, the insight of God, the wisdom of God, the instruction of God? You see, the goal with reading the Bible is not simply to read it and to have head knowledge. 
I, I need to feel the truth as much as I read the truth so that I can live the truth. And that's the goal, that I live the truth of the gospel out. I have to be willing to actually open God's Word every day. Whether, whether you open it in the morning or in the evening or at lunchtime or maybe you're, you're listening to it all day at work or what it, well, I don't know, you might not want to do it all day at work. Um, but whatever it is, we need to be filling our hearts and minds with it and maybe start with something short and easy when it comes to getting into a rhythm with the Bible. But here's the big idea for today, and I hope that you'll take this home with you, that the source of truth is the Word of God, and it has the power to change our lives. I want you to think about it. It is the source of truth, and it can change our lives. Back in the Old Testament in Proverbs 23, 23, the writer of Proverbs tells us something about the truth that is incredibly important. He is emphasizing how important the truth is for us. And so let me read that to you. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. Now, we've already said that the truth comes from the Word of God, but once we have it, how are we going to keep it? And the first step that the writer of Proverbs makes clear in this verse is this. We need to own the truth. That's point one. Own the truth. You know, when you buy something, you own it. Is that right? Uh, you know, somebody else might come along and say, man, I want that, and they want to take it from you. But it becomes yours. It becomes a part of you. When we buy the truth of God, we buy into it. We own it. It becomes a part of us. This means that we obey it. We believe it. We trust it. Owning it is accepting it as truth and deciding to live my life according to what it teaches. In Romans 7, 15, we read, I do not understand what I do. For what I do, I do not, for, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Now, I don't know if there's anybody here that can empathize with that feeling. I know what I should do. I'm not doing that. And I know what I shouldn't do, but it, I keep doing it. I think we all have been there. And in that verse, Paul is certainly talking about sin and temptation. But I wonder how many of us can apply that to our reading of the Word of God and our seeking that Word in our life. We know what we should do, but we don't do it. I'm believing that God today is going to give you a new hunger for His Word. That is my prayer today. That when you leave here today, you will be determined from this day on that the Word of God is going to be a powerful and active part of your life. Paul's lament was that he knew the truth and he often struggled to obey it. And what he knew he should do, he didn't do. And it's frustrating, isn't it? To know what we should do and, and we're not doing it, it is, it is disheartening. 
How many of you can get aggravated with your children when you have told them over and over and over and over again what to do or what not to do, and they keep doing it or they don't do it, right? And it gets frustrating. You aren't telling them because you want to keep them from having fun. You're trying to teach them. You're trying to prepare them for life. You're trying to protect them. And friends, that's the same thing God is doing with us. He's trying to help us if we will own the Word of God in our life. In other words, buy into it, accept it, trust it, live by it. It can truly change our lives. It will help us in our decisions. It will help us in our choices. When we keep doing what we want and not listening to the Word of God, that's when we have problems. This is what God is trying to tell us. You, do, you obey my Word and you'll be blessed, but if you disobey, if you go your own way, there's bad things that are coming. Not that God is going to throw bad things on us, but He knows where things lead to. In James 1, and following, we read, Do not merely listen to the Word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what? Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the Word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Man, I got green stuff in my teeth, and then I walk away, and then... Christy's got to say, man, you got green stuff in your teeth, you know. In verse 25, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be what? Blessed in what they do. Listen, God isn't trying to curse you. He's trying to bless you. And this is what he's telling us. When we buy into God's truth, When we buy into His Word and we decide to live by it, we will be blessed. And another thought from that text is that when we buy the truth, we are buying wisdom, instruction, and insight as well. If you want wisdom, anybody here have important decisions that you have to make from time to time? Raise your hand if if you have important decisions that you have to make from time to time. Do you ever hope for wisdom in making those decisions? Anybody here ever need wisdom? All right. Well, Jesus said that it's a wise man who builds his house on a firm foundation. And we meet him, that is Jesus, within the pages of God's Word. Jesus is the rock that we build our house upon. But if you don't get into the Word of God, you will not know Jesus, and you will miss that wisdom. In Matthew 7, 24, we read, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. I'm also reminded of what Paul wrote Timothy In 2 Timothy 3, 
All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Tell me. Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, if you want to be ready to do the work that God has for you, get into His Word because it is there to teach us. It is there sometimes to rebuke us, right? It is sometimes to correct us, get us back on track. And it certainly is there to train us in how to live a righteous life. So friends, if you need wisdom, if you need instruction, if you need insight, and that is a really dumb question to say. If you need it. No, no, no. We all need it. Amen? Amen. We all need it. We don't have to go to a Bible college to get it. And I'm not, I'm not discounting the importance of Bible college. I went there and it helped me tremendously. You don't have to pay for a doctorate or a theological degree to get this wisdom. But you do need to buy God's Word to own His Word. And then, once you own it, don't sell the truth. Don't sell it. Now, I don't think he's talking about standing on the side of the road selling your Bible to somebody. I, I don't think it's talking about physically selling this. Instead, I think the writer is talking to us about an internal struggle. It's one thing to receive the Word of God, and it's another to actually keep it as our priority in life. And the encouragement then is not to get tired of the Word or to begin to think there is something shinier out there. You know how we are, right? You know how we are. We, we get into this groove and then something catches our attention. It's a little shinier, looks a little prettier. Sounds like we'll have real, a lot of fun. Isn't that when we sell stuff? We see something that uh, looks a little better. You know, uh, we're driving an older vehicle, now we see a, a nice, new, shiny thing. Oh, we wanna, we wanna sell what we got, right? We get bored with what we have. We think the grass is greener on the other side. And so we get rid of something that we know. And friends, here's the thing. Don't sell the truth for a lie. Don't sell the genuine for the counterfeit. Don't sell God for the culture and what it offers. I'm telling you, culture will lie to you God will not. The Bible says there's one thing God cannot do. And you know what it is? God cannot lie. Have you ever known someone who was uh, once very close to God, but then they started having doubts about truth and, and Scripture? They started to doubt uh, what they believed. Um, maybe they were swayed in a different direction by the world. I know some preachers who have... There's a word today called deconstruction. Anybody here heard that word? All right. So this is the idea that our people are looking around. They're, they're being influenced by the culture. And so they're deconstructing their faith because they believe their faith was influenced by things that weren't very good. 
They once believed, but now they don't. And some of these very well-known preachers have like given up on their faith altogether and now deny that they believe in Jesus. I knew a guy in college who had been brought up in a, in a, a, a really a life of sin. I mean, he just, he, he was doing a lot of things. He, he, he came to Christ and then he came to Bible college right after coming to Christ. And the problem was he didn't move his mind away from the sin. Y'all know what I'm saying? His mind was still on that old life. The sports car that he drove, the two girls that were living with him, the freedom he thought he had. Now he's at a Bible college, he's got a curfew, you know. And he would often go on talking about the good old days, you know, when he was able to do whatever he wanted to do. And pretty soon he was living in it again. And he left school, and he left the faith, and he returned to sin, and what the culture told him would bring him happiness. And unfortunately, this happens to people all the time. As we mentioned in week one of this series, the things of this world and this culture can be seductive. I mean, it, it looks like that shiny thing that is just going to bring us pleasure and joy. And so... We are drawn and convinced. And so we leave the truth of the gospel for the truth of the culture. And it's easy to sell ourselves short by selling what we hold on to as truth in Scripture. Maybe some of us are in that place right now. Maybe some of us here today have this internal war that is going on within us. We feel as if we're being pulled in two different directions. And the direction of the world is gaining an advantage because we know it will offer a satisfaction that we can see and we can feel. Although we discover it is temporary. This week I was reading in John chapter 4, um, when Jesus was having this uh, external dialogue with a woman about the same kinds of struggles in her life. Over in John chapter 4, we read about a time when Jesus was trying to go to Galilee and he, he cut through Samaria, which is something the Jews didn't do. Um, but he stopped at a little town called Sychar and there was Jacob's well. And as Jesus sat at the well, his disciples went into town to buy some food. Now, it was about noon, okay, midday. The, the heat of the day was upon them. So suddenly this Samaritan woman comes out to get some water, and Jesus asked her, will you give me a drink? Now, here's something we ought to know about Jesus is he never did anything by accident. He knew exactly who was going to be there and when she was going to be there. This was purposeful. So um, the Samaritan woman said to him, well, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Um, now we know the Samaritans and the Jews hated one another. 
They despised each other. And also she was a woman, a man in that culture wasn't supposed to be having a private conversation with a woman. Jesus is breaking all kinds of rules in this. And then he answered her and, and he said this sort of provocative thing. He said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now listen, I think any of us that would have been there would have been like, what in the world is this guy talking about? Living water. And she too was like not understanding. She said, sir, uh, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Well, this was sort of stunning to her. She said, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. <laughs> right? She's thinking the physical, he's talking spiritual. And then he told her this. And again, you got to understand, Jesus knows everything he's doing. Everything he's saying is for a reason. He says, well, go call your husband and come back. Because again, he wasn't supposed to be talking to a woman by herself, but he knew something about her. She said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, well, you're right. When you say you don't have a husband, in fact, you've, been, you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Now, he wasn't, he wasn't beating up on her, but he was revealing something about himself to her. And she said, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. This revealed to her that this, this was a man of God. He knew stuff about her nobody should know. And then she got into this conversation with him about who was right, the Samaritans or the Jews. The Jews worshipped in the temple in Jerusalem. The Samaritans worshipped on this mountain. Who was right? And Jesus explained to her, well, you know, the, the Jews are right, but here's the thing. A day is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. And uh, he, he said, verse 23, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And then he said, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And suddenly this woman, her, her heart and mind were clear. And she said, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. So there, there was this thing where they sort of shared some common knowledge about prophecy, right? And Jesus declared to her, I, the one you are speaking to, am he. I am Messiah. Now, I don't know if you noticed that in that story, but she was struggling with some things we all struggle with. She was struggling with her relationships, she was struggling with her reputation, she was struggling with her religion. Notice Jesus knew 
She'd been married five times. She was living with a man that wasn't her husband. This probably had a negative effect upon her reputation. You see, she struggled with relationships. You think people struggle with relationships today? Probably some of you have struggled with relationships. And sometimes that struggle can lead to a bad reputation in the community. In fact, some commentators believe that the reason she came to the well at noon was because she had a bad reputation. You see, in hot climates, when the people go to draw the weather, uh, water, it's in the cool of the day, either early morning or late in the evening. She comes in the middle of the day. And the commentators that I was reading said they felt probably it's because she had this reputation. She didn't want to be around the other women who were drawing their water. And in terms of her religion, she was a Samaritan. They had similar beliefs to Jews, but again, they worshiped in a different way. And she wondered who was right. And Jesus informed her that maybe the Jews were right now, but times were changing. And in this story, Jesus offered the woman the true source of life, one that would satisfy her completely. Now, before this interaction, she was in the middle of being pulled in worldly directions and all the while searching for what would truly bring satisfaction. And then it came walking into her life in the person of Jesus. You see, she was chasing what the culture told her would bring her happiness. All these men in her life, but they weren't bringing happiness. It only ruined her reputation. And then Jesus collided with her sin, and she was set free. And the Bible tells us elsewhere that Jesus is the Word of God in the flesh. And if you know Jesus, you know God's Word. He can set you free. So don't sell the truth. Don't get rid of it. Don't get bored with it. Don't get tired of it. Don't give up on it. Hold on to it with all that you have. Spend time in the Word of God, and once we know it, we learn not to lose it. We believe there's a proper response God has for us next. We give it away freely. And that's our last point. Go share the truth. All throughout the Bible, <coughs> excuse me, it is made clear that the Word of God was never meant to just dwell within us. It was never meant for us to gather and hoard and keep to ourselves. Over in Matthew's Gospel in uh, chapter 28 and verses 18 through 20, we, we, we are very familiar with this. As Jesus told his disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that passage which we often call the Great Commission, Jesus is commanding His disciples to go 
and spread the Word of God, the gospel message, the truth that God wants people to know uh, throughout the world. And I believe that same commission is given to us when we accept Christ, when we begin to read and study the Word of God, even when we begin to put it into practice, we are then called to go and share it. And amazingly, sharing the Word with others will strengthen our own faith as well. Years ago when I was in high school, and believe me, it was many years ago, um, uh, one of my best friends, his name was Lee May, um, uh, we, 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 we just really were good friends. I mean, we would play tennis and stuff. Now, Lee was an intellectual. I'm far from an intellectual, okay? But uh, Lee and I would have a lot of discussions about faith. Now, Lee claimed to be an agnostic. He said, you know, he wasn't sure if there was a God, and he couldn't prove that there wasn't a God, so he didn't want to make a... A commitment either way. That's, that's basically an agnostic. And again, we were friends, and we would have these conversations together, and we, it wasn't debates. And I think a lot of times where we go wrong is we want to debate people, you know? We want to prove somebody wrong. But with Lee and I, it was more of like a conversation. I was just telling him about, you know, what, what I believe God was doing in my life, and but he knew that I lived by faith, even in high school. Well, we went our separate ways. He went off to Chapel Hill to Carolina for college. I went to RBC, um, which is now MACU. And uh, it, he was one of the reasons I wanted to go to RBC, because I wanted to be able to answer some of these questions that he would throw at me about my faith and about what the Bible was teaching. Um, and I wanted to go and learn more so that when I had conversations with him later, <clears throat> I could share some of that knowledge. <clears throat> but one day I got a message that uh, Lee had been killed in a car wreck. Um, man, I, I was, I still am shattered by that. I loved him as a friend. And I thought, Maybe I had failed him in some way. But later, as I was thinking about him and I was reading through my yearbook, I found what he had written to me. And he wrote, Tim, never let anyone look down on you because of your faith. And even though I didn't have all the answers, he knew my faith was genuine. And when I was sharing with him, I was sharing what I believed with all my heart. And he saw that. And I don't know whether he accepted Christ from the last time I saw him to when he met uh, the end. But I know that I did my best to tell him. And friends, that's all we can do. All we can do is just give our best. We... We aren't going to have all the answers. We're not going to be able to make everybody understand what we want them to know. We can't force people to believe. All we can do is share what we believe and how God has blessed our lives and try to live our life out faithfully, not, not trying to live with one foot in the culture and one foot in God, but be, be faithful to God.
Finding that note in my yearbook strengthened my own faith and it helped me to resolve to continue to share the Word of God with others. And this isn't just me or people in ministry are called to do this. I think instead God is calling all of us, you and me together, to do the same. We are called to give it away, to share the gospel God has given to us freely. And what a joy it is to share with others what God has done, right? You have a story to tell. In fact, God has done something in every one of our lives. And if you would just sit down and think about all the things God has done in your life, the ways that He has blessed you, and if you could share that with people, chances are if you have invited Jesus to do something in your life, He has shown up in a big way. And friend, I want to encourage you to share that with someone this week. Think about somebody that needs to hear about that. And isn't it amazing how Sometimes you come into contact with somebody that needs to hear exactly what you've been through. Today, maybe you're in a place where you are tempted to sell yourself short by following the worldly temptations or the culture rather than the eternal truth of the Word of God. Maybe you feel like you have this internal wrestling match going on and the kingdoms are colliding within you and you feel the need to make a choice, friend, today can be the day that you submit fully to God's Word. It's the only source of true, abundant life. It's the only thing that can fully satisfy you, not just for this time on earth, but for eternity. Will you allow it to do its work in you? Would you pray that God would soften your heart that you would receive the message of the gospel. And once you receive the word, as we talked about today, pray for opportunity to share it. And this is as simple as knowing what it says, living it out and sharing your story of God's redemption in your life with people around you. I, I, I want to ask you to pray for an open door to share this week with someone close to you. Maybe you, you can even get in a conversation at lunch with a waiter or a waitress simply by saying, can I pray for you about something? There's so much joy that comes by giving the gospel to someone else. In fact, you know, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. It will strengthen your faith in Christ. He's called us to believe, to receive, and to give. So get ready for open doors coming your way this week and have the courage to step through them. Can you think of one person who needs the truth of God's Word? Maybe they need encouragement. Maybe they need your prayers. Maybe they need to know that God hasn't given up on them. Maybe they need to know about His grace and that it is available to them it's not just for the perfect people. Thank God, because none of us would make that, right? Maybe they just need to hear that God loves them. That's the message of the gospel, isn't it? God loves you. This is a part of our mission as well as a church. 
We want to build those relationships with people that will honor God and lead to their spiritual transformation. A relationship sort of insinuates caring and sharing, doesn't it? I mean, it's hard to have a relationship that's only one way, right? There's going to be some give and there's going to be some take. There's going to be communication. There's going to be me sharing and me hearing. We need to look around us and be aware of who God is leading us to talk to. So I want to encourage you, friends, understand that the Word of God is the source of truth, and that truth can change not only our life, but the lives of people around us. Father, we come to you and we thank you today. I thank you that someone shared your truth with me. And I thank you that someone shared truth with all the people that are here today that have received that truth and have given their lives to Christ. Thank you for the gospel of truth that, that we can depend upon and we can live by. Father, I pray that you would help us to share it with others, to give it away. You have given to us freely. May we give it freely. And may your word not come back empty, but may many people follow Jesus because of our testimonies. Father, we can't force people to believe. All we can do is love them enough to share with them what we know to be true, what you have done for us. And so, Father, we pray for those opportunities. We pray for courage. We pray for wisdom, insight, and instruction. Lord, may we buy your truth and not sell it. In Jesus' name, amen.